Welcome, church. Amen. Are you with me? All right. All right, looking forward to this Sunday for some time. My name is Pastor Chris. If you're new here to Evangel, maybe you've been coming for uh, a year or less or a few months or maybe even a few weeks. We have um, a few things that we love here at Evangel that kind of shape who we are. Uh, we have values that we hold to as a church, and they kind of shape the heart of this house. And we also have some special things that um, are just near and dear to us that we kind of repeat over time. And we're going to be talking about some of those things uh, today. Um, I'll start with the values. We have a few values that um, really shape the identity and the personality of our church. If you've been to different churches over time, different churches have different personalities, right? We're called the body of Christ, and, and yet we can walk into one place or another, and you can kind of feel different things in the heart of that church. And if you've been here for any period of time, uh, there's a few things that I hope you've picked up on. Uh, one of them is that we love missions, that we are a missions uh, uh, kind of partnering church, a missions participating church. But it goes beyond giving. We want it really to be about living. And so we have a value that says we live on mission. And that's the heart of what we're going to be talking about today. That's my greatest desire is that we truly learn what it means to not think of missions as an experience or as something that someone else does, but that mission is the identity of a believer and follower of Jesus, that we are called to live on mission across the street and around the world. And another one of our values is Jesus is the author of our story. That when you come to follow Jesus, that means that he leads and guides your life. And you come to find out that your life is not just your story, it's his story. And that you're a part of his story now, and he's the author. He gets the final say in your life. You know, in the middle of our first service, in the worship time, Pastor Rick felt a deep prompting in his heart as we were singing one of those songs that there were some that were struggling with their very identity that were among us. The Holy Spirit just prompted his heart, and he began to speak out. And he said, look, there's lies that have been spoken to you. You're not who the world says you are. You're not, you don't belong to those. You are who God says you are. And we could just feel in that moment just lies of the enemy just being broken because it's easy to start to believe the wrong things. Does that make sense? But when we continue to remember, Jesus, you're the author of my story. It's not over till you say it's over. I am who you say I am. I got one better for you, Daryl. It's I am who I am says I am, right? So Jesus is a great I am. So that's a tongue twister. But that, that's what it really is, right? Moses said, who, who, who do I tell who sent me? He said, say, I am sent you. It's, what? What does that mean? I am who I am says I am. Think about that, okay? Um, so we're here on Epic Sunday, and we are realizing that if Jesus is the author of our story, Many years when we stand in front of you on a Sunday like this, we tell all of the incredible stories of what God has done on our missions trips in the previous summer. And we're going to do that again today. But here's what I realized as we think about that value that Jesus is the author of our story. As I listened to the different stories, I began to realize that they were almost like chapters of one big story that God was really telling this summer. That he used all the different trips, all the different experiences, and weave them together to tell this one story about his kingdom coming, his kingdom advancing, his will being accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Today we're kicking off a brand new series of messages, and that is what we're calling this series, As It Is in Heaven. Jesus taught his disciples, and us even today, how to pray. He gave us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, say it with me, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we think about that part of the prayer Jesus taught his followers to pray, it's so powerful to consider. There are three parts of that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, when we come to follow Jesus, when we give our lives to him, the Bible says we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus. That if he is our Lord and Savior, that means he's our king, we're a part of his kingdom. Being a part of God's family is being a part of God's kingdom. One day, when we come to the end of our life, we're going to enter into heaven. We're going to see the full reality of God's kingdom on display. So when we pray, we say, Lord, we want your kingdom to come. Not all the other kingdoms of this world, they're here, but we believe there's a king that's higher. We believe that there's a kingdom that's greater. We believe that's our true identity. That's our true place. That's our true future. That is our home, right? Are you with me, church? In his kingdom. Then we say, your will be done. You know, a king 
gets to determine his will being accomplished in wherever his kingdom is. And so our lives are not meant to be lived to say, my will be done. Because sometimes we say this, Lord, your kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not what this says. It's your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord God. It's surrendering and desiring to see God's will being accomplished. The will and heart of Jesus being manifested and made real in front of us. And where will that happen? Here's what it is. It's not just for one day when we get to heaven. Sometimes we think that we're just called to buy out our time and just wait here on earth until one day we'll see heaven and we'll see God and we'll see the miraculous. But what I love is when Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, when he touched down, we saw heaven on display. We saw the broken become healed. We saw the lame walk. We saw even the dead raised to life. We saw the reality of heaven made tangible right in front of us. And here's what's so amazing. That after Jesus died and rose again and he sent his soul, Holy Spirit to empower his people and he commissioned them to go into all the world and live on mission. Go and be my witnesses. That's what he said. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. That as they went, you know what happened? The kingdom of God expanded. And what did they see? They saw the same things that the followers of Jesus saw. Blind eyes were opened. The power of God was on display. They walked the streets, and the he people were healed even in the streets. God did supernatural things. It's a picture of his kingdom on display. And so we still pray that. Amen, church? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. And so as we think about that, I want you over the next several weeks to learn to personalize this prayer. To not just say, Lord, on earth, in a big, kind of ambiguous way, on earth as it is in heaven. But what if you begin to look at your workplace different? And you said, Lord, right here at my work as it is in heaven. What if you looked at your home and your family differently? Lord, in my family as it is in heaven. That you looked at the brokenness in this world and you just began to declare, Lord, not as it is now, but as it is in heaven, Lord God. May your power break forth. May your kingdom come and your will be accomplished. Teach us to pray differently. I truly believe that that's what we experienced this summer. As our teams went out, they began to see in all of these places as it is in heaven. They saw glimpses of heaven on display, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I want us to uh, take some time to hear some amazing testimonies. You're going to hear directly from trip participants today. How does that sound? Isn't that exciting? People that were on the ground sharing experiences. And we're going to start with Team Uganda. And Team Uganda, we love uh, Uganda and the work that God's been doing there. Anyone that's been on a previous trip and everyone's been a part of this amazing work and giving towards it, uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We partner there in something called Village Transformation. And we believe one of the greatest ways to live out our vision of changed lives, changing communities, is through village transformation. And that's one of the ways that we strategically partner in missions. That we will go into a village that has no access to clean water, no access to, um, to school, education, health care, uh, the church. And over a period of years, we'll slowly begin to transform that community by the power of God's love and working alongside of the leadership there. And so the first thing we, we did is brought clean water and helped because of your generosity, church. There are now clean water wells in Uganda bringing life to people that used to have to walk miles and pick dirty water and get disease and infection. And it didn't stop there. We then learned that in one village in particular, it was 17 miles for them to get to the nearest hospital and they had no means of transportation. Women that were pregnant were dying trying to give birth because they, did, they didn't have what they need. People with sickness, they couldn't get to the doctors. And so because of your generosity, church, a few years ago, we, we built a church hospital clinic right there in the village. And now there's a doctor and a full staff that's tending Children are being born. Lives are being changed. We came alongside. We built a church. I was there last year to dedicate that church building. And on that day when we dedicated it, people came into God's kingdom and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and are now followers of Jesus and being raised up in the ministry. It's incredible. And then while we were there, we began to learn that these children who don't have to walk to get water anymore, who are given a hope and a future, who didn't die during childbirth but are now being raised in that village, they have no access to education. And so because of your generosity, the team that went this year dedicated uh, school buildings uh, to see these children be able to get education 
and a hope and a future. And I want to just invite Lizette uh, Vasquez to come forward. She's going to kind of share uh, some of the experience of what that was like, not just to see um, that school being dedicated, but to really see the incredible opportunities we have to minister there. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you, family. Team Uganda, pleased to represent you. <laughs> and so always when we come back from these trips, you think back on all of the different moments, and I was doing just that, and I was going through the pictures um, that were taken and so grateful for Pastor Rick actually, not for taking pictures, but for capturing moments. And there's one picture in particular that um, caught my eye and it's a picture of a little girl. We were in the village of Kawalira and uh, that's a village that we've partnered with and we've done projects there, transformation projects. And you see this uh, little girl, look at her beautiful face. Uh, love seeing that picture. But as I was looking at it, it dawned on me, I said, you know, all of the children are wearing their orange uniforms and she's wearing this pink dress. And I wondered, I wonder why she's wearing this pink dress. And I don't know why, but in my mind, I said, how perfect. She's wearing a dress that matches the two buildings that we built, the two structures. There you can see those two buildings are what you evangel funded. Those are the schools that these children will be educated in. And I just thought, how lovely. And as you can see, and actually it doesn't capture the full uh, depth of it, but you see color and you see life and you see celebration. We did a ribbon cutting ceremony and there's a plaque there um, that speaks to changing lives, changing communities. And it was just such a joyous moment. And we know that through those structures that you funded, there will be education and education will be the vehicle through which the gospel will be shared because people will come so that their children will be educated. And so thank you for that. Also, as I continue to look at my pictures, uh, there's one picture in particular that I go back to. And this particular picture grips my heart and it's been on my mind. Um, I've been praying over this particular situation. And it's in the village, it's not in the village, it's in the slums of Katwe. Uh, we had been in Katwe earlier in the day, uh, ministering at the church nearby, and we then went out into the, the streets, I say streets in quotes, uh, into Katwe to find people to connect with and to minister to. And as we walked through uh, the dirt-ridden slum areas and meandered through really tight spaces and encountered people, and yes, we ministered uh, to people, we, uh, people had al allowed us to pray with them, um, but we also saw many faces walk us by, um, despondent, um, with despair. You felt the heaviness. You felt the spiritual darkness there. Um, it was physical dirt, and it was also spiritual darkness there. And as we were going through, I walked by, and I saw a little nook um, there. And I saw a young boy, actually not a young boy, a young teen. And... I stopped, uh, and this is the boy that has been on my heart, um, probably also because I, I have a son, uh, Diego, uh, older teen. And I saw this boy, and I saw he was holding a book, and he had a little ratty pencil. I could tell he was working, and I stopped, and I asked him, what are you reading? And he just turned the book around, and it said English language. And then he lifted up his face, and I saw on his face such despair. Here is this boy in a little nook um, in the midst of the slums of Katwe. Um, what I saw in his face was, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to break free. But can I? Can I? Because I'm in the midst of this slum. And it was, it was incredible because on his face, I saw hope. I saw potential. I saw what could be. And that's what he was trying. He's trying to break free. But at the same time, I saw this darkness surrounding him and this question, and you almost see it in his body, in that picture, where it's, can I break free from here? I spoke words of encouragement to him. I prayed over him, and I told him he was being a role model to all the children around him. And uh, that really struck me. And that's what these trips are all about. You see the transformation that takes place, and you see God's kingdom come, and there's rejoicing. 
you also see the dire needs and that propels us to continue. We witness love, we witness life, we witness hope, we witness joy, and it's a wonderful thing. And that is what God's love through us and our resources brings. So thank you for that. We also see the dire physical, spiritual, and emotional need of that one boy, but also an entire community. And so we must continue. As I come back from this trip, as I have with others, I strive to live my life on mission every day, and Pastor spoke of it, and it's very real to me, um, something that I strive to do imperfectly, but I strive. And that's to have God's kingdom come in everywhere that God places me, first in my home, in my children, and that is a declaration and a prayer that God's kingdom come, his will be done in their lives. But also here at Evangel, in my place of employment and anywhere God puts me that I would be impactful for his kingdom. That is my desire. It's also my desire that God's kingdom come. His will be done in Gatwe and in that boy as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Lizette. Thank you. Praise God. It just grabs you, doesn't it, to consider that. And as much as we celebrate the work God has done, we know there's more he wants us to step into, amen? There's more work he wants us to continue in, and we look forward to sharing in that. Because where we go, it's an incredible representation of his kingdom. I love that where God sends his people, just as Lizette says, I want to live on mission, that where he, we go, his kingdom can go as well and be on display. And when that happens, the oppressed are set free. We can see the miraculous happen. We can see the hurting begin to become healed in and through that. And even in the midst of crisis, God will often mobilize his people to be a part of the solution, not just a physical solution, but a spiritual solution. That's so evident in Team Puerto Rico that went out this last year. They went as a part of a massive rebuilding effort in Puerto Rico because of the ravaging effects of Hurricane Maria that hit and struck some time ago where they lost power, they were without resources, uh, people were displaced and are still displaced and trying to rebuild um, really fighting against hopelessness. And our team went, and God so strategically used us that when that team was selected, they had no idea how God was going to pull from them, pull from their experiences, pull from their very giftings to be a part of that continual rebuilding effort. So I'm going to invite Andre Burrell, who was on that team and was a part of leading to come, and he's going to share some experience about what God did in Team Puerto Rico. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Good morning, church. notes, make sure I don't forget anything. So um, I had the honor and privilege to be able to serve um, on the team that went to Puerto Rico. This was our second year uh, visiting the same village, a village called Villa Esperanza. And um, as Pastor Chris mentioned, uh, it's been two years since uh, Hurricane Maria hit uh, the, that area at Puerto Rico. And some of the areas you would think it just happened last week. Um, so there's still a great need, and our partnership with Convoy of Hope is an organization that provides supplies and um, also helps to rebuild and do the physical rebuilding on site. So the week that we were there, there are two, there are two moments that um, really capture the glimpses of heaven that Pastor Chris is talking about. So the first that I'd like to share involves a young woman named Jennifer. Uh, she's a young mother. She had a son um, who's in uh, probably about seven or eight years old. Uh, she had a house that lived in the community, but it had been destroyed by the storm, and um, Convoy of Hope was partnering with different uh, churches and groups throughout the, the months to rebuild her house, or actually build her a new house, because she was living in a temporary structure right across the lot from where they were building um, that was essentially just a tarp and a couple of, you know, tin, tin walls and um, really nothing that could really sustain. So... Uh, they were building a nice solid foundation, and um, just so happens that the week that we were there um, was the week where the walls had already gone up, and they required, um, they needed people to basically do some wiring and do the electrical. So in God's infinite and perfect timing, we just so happened to have a member of our team that's a master electrician named Chris, and um, unbeknownst to us what we would be doing necessarily that week, because we're always just kind of going... Uh, whatever needs to be done, we'll do. We always have our plans, but ultimately it's in God's plans what we do that week. But it came time that we needed to do the wiring. So um, 
long story short, after a week of cutting and hammering and nailing and doing all the wiring led by Chris, we were able to um, culminate the week by being able to sit with Jennifer and watch her face light up with joy as she flicked the first switch in her house and watched the lights go on. So, amen. It was, it was really wonderful. Um, you know, we, we were able to then gather as a team and just pray over Jennifer and her son and uh, thank God for his faithfulness uh, in providing her a new home. And, you know, she was so appreciative for the work that we did. She actually was one of the people that would also go around the other community um, houses and help them rebuild. So it's really a community effort. And uh, we felt so honored to be able to share in her moment. So that was Jennifer, and simultaneously while we were working on Jennifer's house, another member of the community uh, would come to the site pretty frequently. Uh, his name is Ramon. Um, his nickname was Papaulo, and he was well-known in the community. But Convoy of Hope shared with us that um, Ramon was struggling from some addiction issues. Um, he had been fighting some demons for quite some time. Um, he would have some moments where he was able to recover, but then he would um, fall back into this cycle. So. Um, all the time that he was on the site, he would always, um, you know, volunteer to help, and he would always listen to the salvation messages that the folks from Convoy of Hope would share with him with interest, but he never quite made the decision to kind of move forward and try to change his life. Um, so they were hopeful that maybe this week was the week that we were there, that something might change and that he might find um, what he was looking for. So um, the thing that really touched me was that we had uh, members of our team that really could relate to the level of brokenness and despair that this um, man was feeling just from past experiences and things in their life that they might have been able to take a point from and know that, you know, look, look I understand where you're coming from. So they were able to put down their tools for a few minutes and sit with um, Ramon and talk with him and um, just share what God's done in their lives and the saving um, grace that he's provided for them. And by the end of the week, we were also able to, there's a picture of him there praying with some of our team members he accepted the Lord, decided to turn his life around and make that walk and change to um, recovery from addiction. So, um, you know, so really the thing that hit me with that is that, um, you know, there were, we saw these two parallel tracks at the same time. We saw a physical rebuilding of Jennifer's house, and then we saw the physical restoration of a life and of, of, a, of a soul and a spirit in Ramon. Um, and God was able to do both of those and bring a new light and a hope and, um, you know, something that, of a salvation for both of them. So there's the physical needs and there's also the spiritual needs that we provide. And these, um, you know, Maria always teaches us that um, we should always focus on the people over the projects. So we go in prepared and ready to do certain things, but um, ultimately it's in God's um, plan what we're going to do there. So whether we pick up one hammer or whether we sit and talk with people all day, that one life that was saved is, is really what we're there for. Um, and um, so, you know, I really have no doubt that, that God sent us there, you know, just to do more than just pick up the hammers. And, um, you know, it's really those divine appointments that when we come alongside people, we see that um, not only is he doing work through us, but he's doing work to us because we come back affected and changed and ready to do the work not only out there, but also in our communities. And we try to live that every day, as people have been saying throughout the team. Um, so, you know, really what I've also seen, I just want to share with you guys, is that God's not necessarily looking for what your specific abilities are if you think, oh, well, I, I'm not really a construction person or I'm not sure if I can go through into these slums or this and that or these different countries. God's not looking for our skill sets or abilities. He's just really looking for our availability. And he just wants you to say, I'm in, God. I'm willing to do it. I'm ready. Just use me in whatever way you will. And you'll find that um, he'll always find the right thing for you to do at that right moment. So, you know, as I wrap up, I really just basically the fact that our team made ourselves available <clears throat> and um, we're willing to um, provide for, for the Lord and his kingdom. We were able to see his kingdom and his will being done here on earth as it is in heaven and just like it was in Puerto Rico. So thank you guys. Thank you. Did you catch that church? Did you see that? I mean, it, it's so amazing to consider, like really, when they're picking the team, I'm quite sure that they did not tell Convoy, did not tell Maria and, and us on this side, hey, um, when we project out a year from now, we think we're going to be in week uh, this and it's going to be exactly uh, the wiring phase and we're going to need this. It doesn't work that way. But who the Lord spoke to to be on our trip was an electrician because they made themselves available. The Lord knew exactly where we'd be, where that project would be, and said, I know how I'm going to use this for my glory. 
And then not only that, but while the team, I don't know if you picked up on that, but while the team is working and, and working and doing the thing that they, they were there to do, God's speaking to some of them when they look at this guy, Ramon's life. And the Spirit of God begins to prompt them and say, I brought you through something that's going to minister to him. Go tell your story. Go sit with him. Go minister. And they put down their tools and were ready to be used by God in that moment. And that led to someone coming into God's kingdom. Isn't that powerful? Do you want to know if that's the power of church? That's the power of your yes and my yes. It's the power of our availability to God to be used by him. How many of you want to be available to God whenever he wants to use you? Amen? I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself, but I, want to, I just want to prepare you for how we're going to end service today. If you go inside your bulletin, you can pull out this card. And this is a card for service for service. This is what we're going to do. The way that we're going to live on mission as a church across the street is we're going to step out a month from now. And we're going to go on one giant missions trip as a church to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Amen? And I, wanna, I'm, I just feel prompted to tell you that today because I want this to be in your hands. As you're hearing these stories and as you're saying, yes, Lord, I'm in, you can go ahead and start to fill that out before the end of service because we're going to hear uh, some more about that and then we're going to collect them in a little while. But, but I feel like as you're hearing this, as you're hearing these stories that are coming throughout the rest of our time together, the Lord's going to begin to speak to you. I really feel it prompt you. He wants to use you in the same way and you don't even have to get on a plane. You don't have to show up at a different time. You can come right to church and we're going to go do it together as a body. Amen? Are you with me? That's the power of our availability, church. So as we consider that, you never know, just like this electrician, just like this person that was a part of praying with Ramon and the team, you never know how God will use something so simple as even the language that you speak to connect with someone's heart. And that brings us to Team Lebanon. Team Lebanon is one of the trips that we've taken that I would say is one of the most sensitive ones because it's going into the midst of a conflict. It's going into the midst of a refugee community. Majority, the vast majority are Muslim. And in the midst of that, we are bringing hope in Jesus' name, partnering with an incredible ministry called Heart for Lebanon. And we get to hear the story of transformation, a glimpse of heaven as it took place. And Jill's going to come share that with us. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Good morning, church. So I had the opportunity to go to Lebanon. Um, and this particular day, we were uh, at the Bekaa Valley, which is the, um, it's right by the border of Syria and Lebanon. And um, this particular day, we did uh, two tent visits. And the last one, we were invited into um, this woman's house. And something interesting about uh, this particular woman is she unlike the culture, the Muslim culture, um, she was an unmarried woman who was caring for her elderly mother and her nephew. And her name is Zahara. Uh, we, she was generous enough to invite us into her home um, in a Muslim community. Um, and as we were um, in her home, she basically gave us uh, an overview of what Heart for Lebanon ha was doing in that community and their um, motto is to restore um, individuals dignity and the most important thing is um, supplying them with the most basic needs that they uh, need and that for the Syrians is food and hygiene supplies. So she was truly uh, thankful for um, what Heart for Lebanon was doing and as the um, Heart for Lebanon translator was ta uh, talking um, to her and us, uh, uh, one of our team member, Mona, she is an Egyptian woman who just so happens to be fluent in Arabic, uh, felt the prompting from the Holy Spirit to share the good news, the gospel to Zahara. And something interesting is uh, one of the values that Heart for Lebanon is, is not only to supply the physical needs that um, individuals need, but also uh, spiritual needs. And that is by them dedicating time to go and visit uh, every individual who is open to receive them. So Zahara is one of those individuals who allowed Heart for Lebanon to come and visit her and build relationship. And because of their consistent supply, um, she, it opened her heart to hear uh, about Jesus. And uh, one of the 
um, heart for Lebanon workers who would visit her would always share um, about Jesus Christ. And even though she was still um, professing her faith in Islam, uh, Islam, she was still open. And this particular day when we came, it was just a simple visit to see how she lives and um, just to get to know her and and see how Hut for Lebanon is impacting individuals. Um, and in the midst of that, like I mentioned before Mona, she felt the prompting to um, share the gospel and to share the gospel in Arabic, her native language. And um, she basically um, shared the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power within that. And she also included her own testimony of how God has been working in her life. And through that, um, at the end, she she um, offered the decision to Bahara if she can, if she wants to receive Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. And by gr uh, the grace of God, she said yes. Um, and <laughs> amen. <laughs> and that was a very powerful moment. Um, just uh, even being in the room and not understanding because we, it was myself, Drew and um, Tracy who didn't understand Arabic, but we were in there and we felt the power um, of, uh, of just how God was moving and just shifting her heart, Zahara's heart as Mona spoke to her. And it just testified of the goodness of God and his power and his righteousness. He will reach whomever he needs to at what, it, and language is not even a barrier. And on that day, we were able to witness a refugee um, who is struggling to find her place here on earth. And um, through the power of God, she was invited into God's kingdom. And she, has, she now has a place in God's kingdom. And um, it's amazing because we had the front row seat of just sitting there and listening to see and witness um, the kingdom of God come into Zahara's life as well as Lebanon. And um, as on earth as it is in heaven, we were able to see that in Lebanon and as well as Zahara's life. So we thank God for that. Amen. Praise God. To see a life change because someone was just willing to be available. And it's also through the incredible generosity, church. You know, Jesus says, even if you've given someone a cup of water in my name, like you've, this is so important, like, the, the way that our lives show the heart of Christ, that show through giving. God so loved the world that he gave the greatest gift in his son. And it's meant to be reflected in the lives of believers that a part of what comes is what now flows through our lives. There's a generosity that's meant to flow through us. And when I consider, really, so much of missions has that heart of generosity. And it's a marker of the kingdom of God expanding, if you think about it. Acts chapter 4 Verses 32 through 35 says that all the believers in the early church after the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to really move in power, that all the believers were in one heart, in one mind. Think about that. And no one claimed any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to con testify about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy person among them. And for they brought money, uh, even those who owned land and houses, and they sold them and brought them uh, the money from the sales and put them at the feet of the apostles, and they gave it to anyone that had need. This marker is a marker of radical generosity. Church, we're a generous church. You're a generous church. Thank you for that heart of generosity. It's a part of the kingdom of God at work and on display. And when people see that, hearts and lives are transformed. I think there's no greater testimony to this than the work that's happening in Guatemala. We've been partnering in the same kind of village transformation that's happening in Uganda. We're also doing in, uh, in Guatemala as well. And we're seeing that happen. And we're seeing an incredible work happening there, partnering with, um, with the incredible ministry, the same One World Health that we partner with uh, over in Africa, in Uganda. And I'm going to invite Tim to come at this time. And he saw firsthand a picture of how the radical generosity that's flowing through this house is actually changing a community, and we're seeing God's hand working through them now in the same way. Let's welcome Tim as he comes and shares. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Um, 
So just one thing, it's, uh, you know, as we were worshiping, one of the things that, um, you know, that, that line in the song that says, I am who you say I am, and God dropped into my heart that the definition of generosity is us telling other people that we believe they are who God says they are. Um, sorry, that was totally God, not me. I'm not that smart. Um, so this year I had the privilege of joining the, the team as we went to Guatemala. Um, and as Pastor Chris says, we've been going there for three years. So we've been partnering with um, World Help and Hope of Life, amazing testimony if you ever hear it, um, into this village of Fulha. So just to set a little bit of context for everyone, the villages that we minister to in Guatemala are up in the mountain regions, right? They're very remote. You have to get up there through very dirt roads. And some of the, uh, and everyone that's been on that trip will tell you there, you know, there's certain parts where you're like, okay, this is a road. And the only way I'm getting up there is through the grace of God. But, you know, you're up there, and there was a one part of it where, you know, we had to walk a little bit up the mountain ourselves, and, you know, it, it, it's a tough climb, um, and I'll say that. But we've, over the last three years, we've invested into the village of Fulha, and as a result of your investment, church, um, they now have a church building, they have water wells, they have a school with a retaining wall. And there's also five new homes. And just one thing about the school, there's actually people from other communities that want to come and come to that school that we have invested in and built into that village. Um, because of the generosity that, of what we poured and we've invested into this community, they're right now taking a look at looking at their neighbors and seeing what are the needs that our neighbors have and how are we able to actually meet their needs. So when we went down there, we're, there's another village that we're um, ministering to, uh, Cerro Grande, which is, um, you know, a little bit farther out. Um, and the villagers from Pulha actually came and joined us as we went out to minister to this village. But the next day was like one of the most amazing displays of generosity that I've ever seen. Um, and it really was that value that we have about how changed lives actually go out and change communities. So we went to the village of Pulha, and then, you know, we were there, and then we had to get back on the trucks and go up even farther into the mountain to this village of Quintero. So um, Quintero is about maybe 45 minutes away from the village of Pulha where we were staying, and this village had a need that was even greater than the village of Pulha. And the pastor, she was so burdened for that village that she has actually donated the five homes that were meant for Pulha to the village of Quintero. Just to put a little bit of context, the, the village up in Kintara, uh, most of the homes there are made, are they're, they're shacks, right? They're made of plastic with metal tins, maybe wooden walls. And now that these homes that were built there were these beautiful stone and concrete structures that were being placed up there. Um, what does that mean, right? So let's bring it down to the reality, right? What that means is now there is a family there who were worried about giving shelter to their kids, but now their kids have a shelter, right? There's an elderly couple who, you know, at where they are in life, they've never thought they would ever be able to own a beautiful home, and now they own a home. And that is through the generosity of us investing into Pulha, and then Pulha going out and being God's hands and feet, right? Because of the radic radical generosity that you've, you've, you've invested into this, um, this community, we are seeing God's kingdom come and his will being done in Pulha, Cerro Grande, now Quintara, as it is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. We often say, you know, that what flows to us from Christ has to flow through us. You can't get stuck here. Um, and that's really what we're seeing. We're seeing this beautiful picture of the same generosity that's flowing into them. Their hearts are being touched, and now they're pouring out into another community, into another village. And... To, for them to take and say, you know what, these homes that were meant for us, we see the greater need and we're willing to donate these homes and give them to that other village. It's just radical generosity. It's beautiful. It comes right from scripture. You just see the way that hearts turn towards the Lord and the incredible work that he does. At this time, I want to um, bring up Maria Cortez, our director of missions and outreach, and uh, appreciate her so much. And church, because of your generosity, we're able to partner with some amazing um, ministries. And one of our most long-standing trips is our Mexico trip. And I want to, Maria, you just to give us a taste of what happened on the Mexico trip and just the significance of that team and that trip. Yeah, so we've been thanking you for your generosity. But I also want to thank you for your faithful giving and faith promises and giving towards our missionaries. Because that allows the work of Chris and Julia Russo, who this was our seventh summer supporting the work that they do in Mexico. And that's amazing. 
It's amazing that we get to support them monthly. It's amazing that we get to be a part of what they do. And so I just wanted to kind of give you a glimpse of what the teams do when they go to Mexico. Um, I was super excited because my son was able to be on that team. And I know he said, Mom, it wasn't just the lives that we were there to bless, but I came home different too. And that was because they poured themselves out in a four-day VBS. Um, when they were done with VBS, they would go into the town centers and do dramas, and so they did street evangelism. They would go into uh, boys' homes and girls' homes and love on the children. And they also had the opportunity to go into a drug rehab. And um, some of the team members were able to just share their testimonies, and they saw those men who were in this facility God touched them and transformed them. And so we're just so blessed to work with Chris and Julie, whose lives are dedicated, Pastor Chris, as changed lives to changing communities. And then they bring along our teams so that we can see that transformed work. So that was amazing. Praise God. Let's celebrate that. And one of those uh, individuals who was able to be a part of that, uh, that, that trip um, was Emily Morris. We laid hands on Emily and prayed over her. Um, as she was getting ready to go, because it was different than the rest of the team. She wasn't just going for a week. She was going for a whole month. It's because God has been doing a great work in her heart and life. And I want her just to share a little bit about what that journey has been like, because I really think it speaks to living our lives on mission. Let's welcome Emily as she shares. Hi, church. Gloria a Dios. I got to do my little Spanish plug. Yeah. I know this is a Spanish service, so it's good. Um, so, wow, what an honor it is to speak in front of you, and I just want to thank you for your prayers. They were so very felt. Um, I couldn't have done it without you guys, seriously. Um, missions is very near and dear to my heart. Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have spent a month in Mexico. That would have been, yeah. But, um, it's very special to me. And, um, you know, the first time I think, I think back to the first time I ever went, which was in 2016 after I graduated high school. And um, I actually went to Mexico for a week. And, um, you know, God really opened my eyes to so many different things. And I could really, I could talk a year off all day. But um, I think one of the things that really impacted me the most was when you go on a trip, a missions trip, you know, you really have to surrender everything unto God. You're forced to just leave it all behind. You leave your home behind. You leave your job behind. You leave your family behind. You leave everything, your comforts, your everything that's familiar, you leave it behind. And you're like, you know, I'm just going for you, Jesus. And you wake up every morning, you're like, that's your purpose, that's your goal. You know, you're like, I, it's like you're on hyper-focus to like win souls for Christ. Because every morning you're like, all right, I gotta win, win people for Christ. Win people for Jesus. Um, and I just, I mean, how biblical is that to just surrender everything unto him? You know, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom. Um, Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And that important part there is daily. It's not something that we just go away on a trip and do. It's something that we have to do every single day. We should wake up saying, all right, God, today, how am I going to win souls for you? How am I going to win souls for the kingdom? And that's how we should live every single day, not just on the field. And so just a little bit of my story, what led to the month, right? Because I just went on the week, and then I come home, and I'm like, oh, man, I would love to do that again. And I, I called it the missions bug. And I was like, ah, oh, like, I, you know, you, like, get that feeling in your stomach, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know. So I figured everybody kind of got that. So I was like, ah, like, whatever, brushing it off. And then so the next summer I was like, no, like, I, it's still there. So um, I should probably see a doctor or something, but there's no doctor for it. Um, so, no, so I, I called Maria, and I was like, oh, like, are there any spots open for any other teams? Like, I, I just, I got to go again. God's calling me. God's pulling me. And she was like, oh, we have an open spot to Guatemala. I was like, nice. So go, go to Guatemala that summer. Once again, you know, God teaches me so much. Uh, my life changed every single time. And, you know, you, you bring it back home with you. It inspires you how to, how to live your life back home. And so... The next time, I'm like, all right, God, I know I'm going again. So the next summer, I'm like, where? Where to next? You know, I did, I did Mexico. I did Guatemala. What's next? And he's like, Mexico again. I was like, again? And he's like, yeah. So I was like, all right. Um, so I go back to Mexico in 2018, and that was one of the hardest times leaving a trip ever. Um, you know, each time with each, with each trip that I went on, it was getting harder and harder to leave, and, and that one was 
just rip my heart apart. And I remember sitting on a plane and sitting next to my mom, who was the, the leader of the trip at the time. And I turned to her and I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I can't do these week-long things. I was like, I, I just can't. It's not enough. That's what I told her. It's not enough. And, and you know what? At the exact moment, the missionary texted my mom and was like, hey, would Emily be interested in coming for a month next summer? And I was like, wow. Like, you know, sometimes God takes a long time to answer prayers, and then sometimes it's like immediate, and you're like, whoa. I was like, okay, wow. I was like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was awesome. Um, and so th- I got to do that. I got to, you know, see that dream come to fruition this past summer. And, wow, it was, you know, incredible. And then I come home from that, and everyone's like, so how you feeling? I was like, well, a month's not long enough, you know? And so I'm, I, it's like the theme. It's like it's not long enough. It's not long enough. And God gave me this revelation. It's never going to be long enough. Never. A lifetime isn't long enough. Because, you know, when we start obeying him and walking in his ways, he's going to keep opening the doors and opening the doors and opening the doors for us to keep obeying him and, and following in his footsteps. And eventually you be- begin to understand that even a lifetime isn't long enough, but it's the least that we can give. It really is. And missions isn't just some trip. It's a lifestyle. It's the way that we need to live our lives. So like we always say, across the street and around the world, no matter where we are. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Emily. That's awesome. That's the, that's it. You know, there's a lot of missions bugs you can catch, and we pray about those, and we do seek medical treatment for those when those happen. Um, This, I guess, is the new missions bug I do want to pray for, that deep into our hearts, every one of us would just have have this infectious desire to want to be used by God, to realize that God has a purpose for our life. Do you realize God has a plan for your life? That he really does. I'm not just talking to some of you that might go onto an airplane and go onto a trip. Every one of you that follows Jesus, he wants to use you in his kingdom work. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And one of the great ways that we have really strived to become awakened to this as a church and to set our focus towards that is to all as a church get involved in kingdom work. That what if we could just take one day, one service, and yes, we come together every service and we hear and we worship God, but what if one time we would all gather together and we would just go out and do kingdom work in the name of Jesus? And that's how the vision for Service for Service was birthed back in 2013. We decided on one Sunday every two years we will step out of our service and do service in our community in the name of Jesus, partnering with organizations and ministries far and wide to make an impact for the kingdom right here in our own backyard. Doesn't that sound good, church? And so I want to take a moment. I want you to pull out that card one more time today, and we're going to learn through service for service how we're all going to live on mission on October 13th. And uh, as you're grabbing that card, I just want to show you on the screen um, this video. It's a recap of what happened last year as we took part in service for service. Jesus says, let your good deeds shine before men so that your Father in heaven may be glorified. This is a day of a lot of glorification. (laughs) Um, And it's a great way to not only just say, hey, we want to help, but to really let people who feel forgotten that not only do we see you, but God still remembers you too. God, huh? So here's the deal, church. We get an opportunity, just like all of the God stories we've been hearing, just like all of these glimpses of heaven, just like we've been able to declare in Uganda and now in Katwe and Lord in in Cerro Grande and Pulha in Mexico in Puerto Rico in all these places as it is in heaven. On the 13th of October, we as a church body 
Over a thousand of us are going to hit the streets, young and old, and we are going to go into our local neighborhoods, and we're going to say in Scotch Plains as it is in heaven, in Plainfield as it is in heaven, in South Plainfield as it is in heaven, in Fanwood as it is in heaven, in Woodbridge as it is in heaven, in every place we set our feet, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in this time. And the Lord has use for all of us, church. It's not just about your abilities. It's first about your availability. This card is you saying, I'm in. Lord, I'm making myself available. I want to be used by you. This is the first step, Lord. I'm going to live on mission for you. And so as you sign up for that, you can sign up for you, for your family uh, members. Uh, can all be included there. Um, and and we, have, we have serving opportunities all the way as young as three-year-olds here in the building. We'll be creating things to serve our community. On the back, you'll see all the incredible projects that you're going to be introduced to over the next few weeks as we prepare. From a car wash to caring for the body to uh, Feed My Starving Children, which is a massive feeding program we're going to partner with. We're going to bless our first responders. We're going to come alongside of Habitat for Humanity. We're going to minister in nursing homes. We're going to be in parks. We're going to be ministering to shut-ins and the elderly and widows. We're going to come alongside of veterans and serve them well. It is going to be a day of incredible service and being the hands and feet of Jesus and seeing every place we minister there as it is in heaven. And so make yourself available. Give yourself to the Lord to say, Lord, I'm ready to be used by you on this day. And then come ready. Put on some jeans. Come ready on the 13th. And we're going to serve the Lord together in a powerful way. So go ahead and take a moment right now. I want you to begin to fill out this card. And in, in just a few moments as we leave, you're going to be able to hand them to someone out in the foyer. If you're in, if you're ready to serve and make yourself available. Also, if you're thinking about joining a small group, jump into a small group because our small groups are going to have a first opportunity to pick some of those projects. And you can actually serve as a group on Service for Service Sunday, which is really exciting as well. So take a moment, begin to fill that out. And then I'm going to pray for us to, uh, to, to be dismissed today. Again, you don't want to miss this. God has an incredible work he desires to do. And we have this incredible chance to live on mission. And as you're filling that out right now, I want you just to bow your heads and your hearts with me. We're going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so good, and you're so faithful. These stories have been so incredible, Lord, to hear what you're doing across the street and around the world. And today, Lord God, we hold in our hands the opportunity to do something tangible with our lives, to join in the kingdom work that you're doing, Lord God. We pray even now, Lord God, for you to begin to prepare the ground, prepare hearts and prepare lives that we will have the chance to serve in our community just next month. Lord God, I pray that you use each one of us as we make ourselves available. Lord God, you're not looking at our ability, you're looking at our availability to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward at this time. And here's, here's the way it's going to work. Take some time, fill this out, pray if you need to, talk to your spouse. If you are ready um, to hand that in as you leave today, just hand it to someone in the foyer. And you're going to receive a small pin that you could wear that says, Sir, I'm in, Service for Service 2019. Just exchange that card for that. In the meantime, if you need prayer, please feel free to come up. We'd love to pray with you, minister to you if you have any need. If not, you're free to go, but please save your conversation for the foyer. We'll see you uh, next Sunday in this Wednesday night for prayer. God bless.